0: They say winning ain't everything Well we don't have them type conversations over here man Had that conversation with the losers We trying to win at everything we do Even in the loss we don't see defeat We see a lesson learned Straight up Look I came into this world in 1978 The doc looked me in my face and knew I was something great 45-42 Prescott, that's where I'm from Grew up in the slums, around dope dealers and bums. As humble as I was, I adapted to my habitat. In my own lane, no. Far from where they crashing that Dumb bar graduate, the game out of it. Served in the Navy, look. Y'all don't know the half of it. Pops passing no one. Moms passed last year. I know they up in heaven, smiling down, crying mad tears. Cause they son making it. No telling why I'm taking it. My city been cursed, but I feel that I'm breaking it. Coach that went high in 15 in one state. Seen a fork in the road and went straight. I know what I'm worth. I'm OG King Kirk. Brooklyn Nets Gaming crew legend. Let's work.
1: Hey, this is OG King Kirk, your host of the OG Two Cents podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you who tune in every Sunday. I appreciate it. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe, uh, like, comment, and share. We appreciate that as well. Make sure you go on Apple Podcasts. Give a five-star rating. It helps us out very much. Also... Uh in prevention and spread of the coronavirus. Uh make sure you're washing your hands, wearing your mask when needed, um, practice social distancing, and hopefully we pull through this stronger than ever. May is mental health awareness month. Uh so make sure you're taking care of yourself and those around you. Uh please check on your people during this time. Uh this episode is uh a good one. Uh this this woman uh Uh, I think she's the epitome of a a quality human being. Uh, Jennifer Cobb, episode 17, Going After a Cure. Uh, She's a former NFL cheerleader uh, for the St. Louis and Los Angeles Rams, if I'm not mistaken. After she retired from being a cheerleader, she started her own non-for-profit organization called Team Gateway for a Cure. And she's also been involved with other foundations that serve a similar purpose like the Muhammad Ali and Michael J. Fox Foundation. So with further ado, you know, I don't like to talk too much about the guests. I prefer they do it themselves. Uh, so I give to you, Jennifer Cobb. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Now, I'm, I'm grateful to have you. Um, you know, just getting right into things. I just want you to tell your story and uh, who you are and how you got to where you are today.
2: Yeah so as the intro said, uh, my name is Jennifer Cobb and I am a daughter that loves her father. My dad, Ty Cobb, same name as the baseball player, uh, developed Parkinson's um, right around the same time Michael J. Fox went public in 1999 and I really didn't know much about the disease um, and as I cared for my dad I saw the degeneration of his health and his mindset and um, his hope kind of uh, disintegrate. And I knew there had to be a way to spread the awareness uh, and educate people on this debilitating disease of Parkinson's. Um, And over time, um, I decided when the foundation was uh, launched, that instead of raising money and funds for research, uh, which Michael raises a lot of money for over the years, he's raised millions and millions of dollars for research for Parkinson's. But the flip side to the disease is the caregiver, which is so incredibly, as we all know today, knowing going through this pandemic of the virus uh, that we're all quarantined home, the caregivers are the ones that are caring for those that are going through the disease of Parkinson's, or really any disease for that matter, or anything that you might be going through as a caregiver. Your package could come in uh, a single parent caring for your children, somebody that might be um, a single parent that is battling cancer, um, and adult child, myself, caring for my dad. Um, so you have a single parent caring for children, you have a child, older ch- children that are caring for younger siblings, you have grandparents that are caring for their grandkids because the parents have to work outside the home and can't afford daycare. So as you can see, caregivers come in a lot of different um, packages and, and to that extent. But um, one of the things that I wanted to do was utilize my platform, which is coming off the NFL field, as an alumni NFL cheerleader, I was on the field during the greatest show on turf. Uh, Isaac Bruce, Marshall Fogg, Kurt Warner, uh, Dick Vermeil, great, great coach. Um, and I was uh, so blessed and honored to be on the field cheering for them, to bringing home not only one, but a two-time Super Bowl um, championship back to the city of St. Louis. And um, I wanted to use that platform, coming off the NFL field to cheer on, use my voice to cheer on the caregivers that are behind the scenes, that don't get recognized. You know, we do so much in terms of fundraising and supporting the disease, all diseases. We have fundraisers, we have 5K runs, we have fancy dinner auctions, for the diseases and i i'm so for that and i think it's really really important but the other side you don't hear of the 5 ks for the caregivers you don't hear the fancy dinners for the caregivers you don't hear of the, all these fundraisers the go funds and raising money or let, let alone support for the caregivers and so when you step behind the scenes and you go back to your four walls of home And you look at those heroes that are making sure that they get their medication, they have their meals, that they get to and from their doctor appointments. They're tucked in bed at night, making sure that they're healthy and safe. They don't get recognized. And so I wanted to cheer on them, the caregivers that are behind the scenes every day, giving their love and hope for another day. Going through their disease, whether it's Parkinson's or concussions, ALS, stroke, Alzheimer's, whatever the brain disease is, um, that's kind of where our focus is, our team gateway to a cure.
1: Um, how did you get into cheerleading? Like what, uh, what sparked that and at what age?
2: Yeah, so growing up, I was um, always very rambunctious uh, Spitfire kind of personality. I was um, uh, the third child, two older brothers and a younger sister. And so I always I was kind of a tomboy at heart, keeping up with my older brothers. And actually gymnastics was really my uh, sport that I just loved. If I didn't know how to do a, a, an, an, um, a stunt or an exercise, I would definitely learn it. Uh, Through perseverance and and motivation, I would try to find a way to uh, master that skill. And through that, over time, um, it helped me because when I tried out for the gymnastics team in high school, I ended up making the varsity team. Uh, Knowing, going through life, um, my parents were, they were, Blue collar, and we had money to provide for food and shelter, but we didn't have the extras as we know today. Selective sports, my parents couldn't afford that for me, so I learned myself, and I worked really hard at mastering those skills in the front yard of my house. So after school, I would practice and practice and practice. Um, Aerials and back handsprings and all of the skills that would make me um, account uh, make me uh, allow me to make the, the gymnastics team, and so through high school I was on uh, gymnastics for a freshman, sophomore, and junior, and then my senior year I decided to try out for g- uh, cheerleading, basketball, and football, and I made the squad. And it was a lot of fun, and then. I graduated from high school and tried out for college cheerleading and I cheered all four years at college. And as you know, college cheerleading is a lot of stunting and acrobat acrobatic skills and jumping around and, you know, paint, face painting and, and uh, you have a stunt partner and they throw you up and, and do all these neat activity uh, acrobatics in the air to wow the crowd. Um, and so after college, I, um, I majored in dietetics, nutrition, and um, moved to St. Louis and uh, landed a job at a children's hospital as a dietitian. And one day I was driving home and I heard over the radio that Georgia Frontieri, who was the, uh, the owner of the Rams, was moving the team from L.A. to St. Louis. And she was hosting open auditions. And I thought, oh, there's just no way. I don't think I'm going to make this squad because professional cheerleading and college and high school cheerleading are two different. Professional cheerleading, they call it cheerleading, but it's it's more of a dancing, more performing. Um, And cheerleading in high school and college is a little bit more... Acrobatic gymnastic stunting, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but Mrs. Frontieri, who is was the owner of the Rams, um, which you'll learn a little bit more about her life in her documentary movie that's going to be coming out. It's in post production now, but she was a Las Vegas showgirl, and so she had a lot of Vegas showgirl dancing training uh, growing up in her years, and so she wanted the mirror image of her girls who represented her team as ambassadors to showcase that quality. And so they were very selective on the, the type of uh, dancers that they wanted. But then the flip side to um, being selected as a cheerleader is also your personality, how you hold yourself, um, what sets you apart than the other girls? It's not just your look and what skill you have. You also have to be able to speak and withhold yourself as a good character human being. Kind of the same way with the guys. I mean, skill and talent can only bring you so far. You also have to be able to represent this the team, the company, the 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 the, the, the group that you're going to be. Involved in, um, you have to be able to stand um, as as a good as a good person and um, be charitable and have uh, good camaraderie with other teammates to get along with other people on the team. Um, so there's a lot of different uh, details that go into the selective process when you're chosen to represent the NFL team, and so after um, going through the audition, um, I was chosen as one of the top 40.
1: Now, um, you know, obviously I think like being an NFL cheerleader is almost equivalent, uh, to being an NFL player. I mean, so to speak, it's, is of the elite, uh, only a few people can say, uh, in the world that they've been a, a NFL cheerleader. Uh, you know describe uh like what was it like being an NFL cheerleader like what were some of the pros and cons
2: yeah so you know a lot of people look at the cheerleaders um well you don't get paid you know you don't you don't you don't get the bank like the players do i get that but if you look at it in a different perspective i made a lot of network connections and as an ambassador for the rest of my life, I will forever be a part of the NFL family. And we are tight. Like, it's a, an elite group that we trust each other. We lean on each other. We look out for each other. And there's an honor system that goes along with that. So a lot of times, if, for instance, I was just at the Super Bowl in Miami and ran into a bunch of players. We were doing some uh south beach uh football game we did a lot of different events together i mean even though you may have not hung out with them and you're not with them all the time like there's certain lingo and talk that we both get and it's just like a family unit and it's going to be forever um that's the po- positive the con yeah maybe i didn't get a lot of money sharing um, every week uh, when the team was home. But there's things that you can't put a price on, such as network friendships, camaraderie, the things that happen behind the scenes like locker room, the bonding, the friendships, the experience that no one will ever be able to say that they were involved in celebrating the Super Bowl championship on the field, with the team, with everybody that went into that moment, it's indescribable. So there are positives and negatives, but what is the negative, truly? Is it really the money? You know, is it the fact that you can't travel to the away games only unless you go to the Super Bowl because you're only allowed – as an NFL, or an NFL cheerleaders can't travel with the team, they only cheer at their home games. Unless you do go to the Super Bowl, that was kind of a negative. Um, but honestly, I really can't say that there there's a negative because um, that organization is run incredible. The staff, the teammates, the players, the cheerleaders—I mean it is just a really really great organization I'm so honored and proud to have been a representative of that
1: That's uh amazing. I mean I didn't know that uh, about the NFL cheerleaders uh, not being able to travel and things like that. And speaking of uh connections, uh just wanted to uh, give a thank you to uh, Fago Franklin III uh who's your publicist who reached out to me for you to do the show. And I, I would advise anybody who's not on LinkedIn to get on there. Uh, it's a lot of great people on that, on that, on that app. And, uh, definitely if you're looking to connect with a lot of different people, uh, and many different, uh, walks of life and, uh, businesses and organizations, uh, I do advise you to get on there. Um, you know, getting into the heart of this, uh, episode, um, you know, talk to me, talk to talk to us about uh, Team Gateway uh, to a Cure.
2: Yeah, so Team Gateway to a Cure was actually a name that was given to me by the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I had raised quite a bit of money for his foundation through the years, which in turn he honored me at the VIP Awards uh, in New York City for my efforts. And so when I went to the Fox Foundation, Um, one of my concerns was I I wanted to do more than just a 5K run and raising money. I wanted to do a lot of different fun events and bring the fun back into fundraising. And so they gave me the name Team Gateway to a Cure. I sent out a press release announcing the logo that I designed, the board of directors that I had cultivated together. And uh, we had an unveiling of Team Gateway to a Cure in a launch party uh, three years ago, November. Um, and since then, we've hosted um, just a myriad of different fun events, one being Laugh Off to a Cure, which is such a, an amazing cast of, of, of people who are dear friends of mine. Jimmy Kimmel's sister, Jill. Jill Kimmel was there um, putting on a great comedy show Michael Winslow, we remember him from police academies. Great, great man. And then Richard Pryor Jr., uh, the the son of Richard Pryor, who's all time amazing uh, comedian. And he himself is funny and a great actor and just a a joyful friend. Um, Richard Pryor's father had suffered MS, which is a brain disease. And so Richard wanted to be uh, a, part of the Team Gateway to a Cure to raise awareness for all brain diseases. Um, and each uh, comedian had a, 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 a special connection to as why they wanted to be a part of Laugh Off to a Cure. I had a, a fashion show which the girls um, who were the models were alumni cheerleaders um, and it was actually a lingerie fashion show which was kind of unique. So. Uh, After hosting um, those sort of events, I reached out to the Cardinals organization and asked them to do a strikeout for Parkinson's, uh, which a percentage of ticket sales would go back to Team Gateway to a Cure, and we would um, donate a percentage of proceeds back to caregiver support, as well as Michael J. Fox Foundation and the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center, which leads me to talk about Muhammad Ali, you know. Um, we had supported and still are supporting michael 's um, foundation, the Michael J Fox Foundation for research for for parkinson's. Unfortunately, we do not have a cure for parkinson 's we've made a lot of amazing um, scientific breakthroughs along the way, and thanks to him and many other people for their support in those efforts but then the flip side to the Parkinson's disease, and all brain disease for that matter, is the caregiver, the one behind the scenes. And actually, after meeting with Mohammed's widow, Lonnie, um, she had um, given me a private tour of the Mohammed Ali Parkinson Center, which is out in Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's affiliated with the uh, Burroughs Neurological Institute. She really captured my attention when she spoke about Mohammed's legacy. And Mohammed's legacy, as we all know, he suffered with Parkinson's and passed away. But before he passed on, he wanted to start his foundation, um, which is focused 100% on caregiver support. He wanted people to know how important the caregivers are in the battle of what they're going through because until we have a cure for what the disease that they're battling the caregivers are the heroes behind the scenes the cheerleaders behind the scenes that are making such an incredible effort to give hope and comfort to their loved ones and so If you tour the facility, the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center, it's 100% focused on the caregivers and what that looks like. It looks like the inside of a home. You have a bathroom, a bedroom, a living room, a kitchen, because that's where their life is 24-7. It's in that facility. And so the caregiver needs to be coached, trained how to care for their loved one when there is a fall when they're taken in to and from the bedroom in the bed, how to be the best advocate for that loved one. Um, and I think it's, it screams volumes to how important the caregiver needs to be, um, how impact they are, not only emotionally, physically, but financially. And so now the insurance companies are recognizing the caregivers as the second patient. They are now instilling caregiver support programs in hospitals all over the country because where do they go at the end of their day for their emotional support, the physical support, the financial support, especially if you are a low income senior and you don't have the financial means or you don't have travel to and from doctor visits and can't go pick up medicine. So when you are depressed or sad or you've had a physically exhausting day, where's your support system? And so that is what the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center focuses on is the caregiver support. And so it just made sense that team gateway to a cure collaborated efforts not only just with the michael j fox foundation but also with the caregiver support programs that the Muhammad ali parkinson center focuses on and so with the, the marriage of those two entities we are so proud to be a part of it just helps more and more and more talk about the awareness of the disease, but also the awareness of what caregiver support looks like.
1: That's great. Um, you know, something about myself, I worked in uh, long-term health care uh, for 13 years before uh, I set out to be on the career path that I am right now. So I definitely uh, understand uh, where the caregivers, uh, I definitely, uh, I'm with them all the way because I, I have a, a lot of experience in that area. Uh, yeah. Before before we get out of here, uh, let people know how um, they can reach you or be involved uh, in your foundation.
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, my website team gateway to a You can leave me an email, a message. I answer every one of them, reach out to you. If you're, if you're struggling, uh, as a caregiver, you know, um, I'm here to help. We have a, a great board of directors. We have great people. I can connect you to some really great support system. You're not alone. Also, I'm on Facebook, Jennifer Cobb, Team Gateway to a Cure, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, uh, TeamGatewayToaCure.org, uh, Jennifer Cobb. You can reach me on on all those social media platforms. But I, I, I really want people to understand how important their story is, that how their story can help comfort others that are going through the exact same thing. You know, one of the things that my dad does when he gets done with the workout at the YMCA, and he's showered, he's ready to go for the day, he walks over to that round table with all the fellas, grabs a donut and a cup of coffee, and he sits down. (laughs) And what do you think those guys are talking about? They're trauma bonding. They're talking dude stuff. They're talking how they get through their day. They're they're storytelling within each other. And there's such a bond that happens. And so when I say that, I say that with such passion because the bonding of storytelling that we can have with each other is so incredible. You know, a lot of times my dad listens to his dudes stories more than he does the doctors and what the doctor tells them you know what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning after you posted something on your social media you look at the comments the comments are stories and those stories are healing factors those stories help encourage motivate and help us get through our days and you know there's something to be said about the stories that we all share together and through this platform and through what I'm saying and the help with you, that I'm allowing myself to to, to, to share my story, to help others. Um, There's a lot of um, factors that go into people moving forward. Emotional history for one, you know, a lot of adult children like yourself or myself will have some emotional history. You know, why should I care for my dad? He's got this. And I've got a family, I'm trying to launch my career. He was never there for my football practices and never showed up for a damn game. Why should I help him now? So how do you let go of the emotional history and move on and meet the person where they're at today? You know, that person, that dad, that mom, that loved one is not the same they were 15 10 20 years ago the diagnosis has changed their trajectory and thought process moving forward so it's important that we as caregivers look past that how to let go of the emotional history and those are the sort of things that i speak on at caregiver support caregiver conferences you know and so with all of those with that being said you know i'm really blessed and very grateful for giving the opportunity today to be able to share my story. People can reach out, teengatewaytoacure.org. The website has lots of um, um, support options, a lot of educational options, a lot of links that they can go to for that because you're not alone. There's hope attached to a story in every capacity.
1: No, that's great. And um, I just want to uh, thank you for uh, taking time out to come on the show. I, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, this thanks everybody for tuning in uh, to this episode. Uh, you know, listen uh, to po- LG Two Cents podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Um, also follow the podcast on social media, on t- IG, Twitter, and Facebook. Follow myself og king kirk on ig twitter and facebook as well uh shout out to my team david 2k zone strider visuals and box graphics for always sharing my visual um you know just uh make sure you listen to dave's podcast as well on 2 Com. Uh, Also, you can catch me on Esports Extra every Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday Um, Great show where we talk esports, sports, sports and more Um, Next week's uh, episode uh, is a good one We'll be talking hoops and life uh, with Kyrie Walker So make sure you tune in to that uh, and I was always
0: Special shout out if to it Brooklyn S Gaming We on our, our way baby up, JP? What's up J.P., LT, LT? LT? Big, West? Big West Famous enough, Famous enough. 2K, comp, 2K, 2K games. comp Games Black Frank White Black Frank Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nick, Nick? Rico? Rico Let's put this work in fellas And much, much, much love to the entire 2K community For always showing me love Without y'all we wouldn't be here Yarn